While you uh, while you got your Bibles turned to Revelation chapter three, let's uh, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer, if you don't mind. Father, I want to come to you this morning, thanking you again, Father, first and foremost for the forgiveness that comes through your Son. Father, thank you that you um, that you loved us enough, Father, to give your life, to give your only begotten Son for us. Father, I pray this morning that. Um, Lord, we have made you pleased with everything that we've done. Father, I pray that um, as we sing to you, as we, as we learn about you, as we strive to be more like you, Father, I, I pray that you are pleased with it. Father, I pray that we can continue to do that. I pray that as we get into your word right now, that you would show us how to become more like you and less like us. Father, I pray this morning for um, the ones that have lost loved ones, Father, I pray for those families that are grieving. And Father, I just ask you, God, that, um, that you would be their comfort right now. Father, I pray that they are not like those that grieve without hope. Father, I pray that these are grieving full of hope. And Father, I pray that, um, Lord, they would have a peace that passeth all understanding in the middle of their grief. And Father, I pray that this would be a time that they would draw closer to you than they ever have. I pray that death would be such a reality to them that they would see how much we all need you. That each one of us, our time could be any moment. And Father, I pray that you help us to see that, Lord, we don't need to waste our lives on this world. Father, I pray that every moment that we're living for you, because every moment could be our last. Father, we're not building our kingdom here. Father, we want to build our kingdom with you. And I pray that you help us to do that. Father, I pray this morning for Mr. Archer. Father, for thus just the, the ones of our family that, that, that are elderly, Father. Lord, I pray for their strength. Father, I pray that as they, as they age and these old bodies uh, just give way to the age, Father, I pray that you would give them strength to be able to endure. And Father, I pray that you would give them faith to be able to trust you, to know that, God, you are good. If you don't give us another breath, you have been good to us. And so, Father, I pray that you, would, that you would help them to have faith to praise you no matter what you choose to do in their lives. Father, I pray this morning for this word as we get ready to, um, to, to learn more about you. Father, I pray that you would fill us with hope. Father, I pray that we leave here different today than when we came in because we believe your word. Father, I pray that you would send us out of here rejoicing because we believe it with all of our hearts. God, if you said it, then it is true. And Father, help us to have that kind of spirit this morning. You open our eyes to what you want us to see. Open our ears to what you want us to hear. Open our hearts to what you want to see changed. And Father, I pray that you give us faith to follow you in obedience. God, we love you. We praise you. We ask you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In Revelation chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 7 through 13. And then we are going to um, pick up where we left off last week and finish um, this morning's lesson on the faithful church. Revelation chapter 3 beginning in verse 7. This is what it says. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. I know your works. 
Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You can be seated. Last week we started a study on this church in Philadelphia and we saw that this church received no condemnation whatsoever, no correction. We know that they're not a perfect church and yet Jesus only has a commendation to give them. He has no correction for them whatsoever. And so this is a beautiful church that I want to make sure that we look at very closely and I want to figure out what is it about this church and what is it about these Christians that even though they were not perfect, they received no condemnation and no correction from the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the first things we found out is that they were a humble church. Jesus said, I know that you have but little power. In other words, they were a church that understood that they were small, they were insignificant in the grand scheme of the world. They were, they, they were barely a, a blip on, uh, on God's radar. And yet, Jesus looks at them and He says, but you rely completely on my strength. You are a humble church. You understand that you come from dust. And as we said last week, this is one of our major issues. We don't understand that. We live every day as if we have strength, as if we have breath, as if we have any power to keep ourselves in existence. And the truth of the matter is, we don't. We are not promised our next breath. And this was a church that understood how much they needed Christ. He said, I know that you have but little power, but... You rely completely upon me. And this is exactly why God chooses the weak things of the world, the, the, the foolish things of the world. He, he does it so that through our weaknesses that He is shown to be strong. He alone receives the glory for it. No one can boast in the sight of God and say, I did or accomplished anything. I can't do anything. And a person that knows that is a person that may be weak and it's a good weakness because in their weakness they can be strong in the strength of God. They, as I said, were not a perfect church and yet Jesus only had commendation for them, no condemnation. They were humble and He says, and yet even though you have little power, you have kept my word. They were an obedient church. Even though they were so small and insignificant, they were trusting in God and they were whatever they heard from Him, they just followed it. How many of us can say that? They were a humble church and yet they were obedient. They were a loyal church. They were unashamed of the name. He said, you have not denied my name. 
No matter what they faced, no matter where they went, they were proud to be one of Christ's. And they, they, they bore His name with great pride. And, and this was something that Christ looked at and He was very pleased with. He said, you are obedient. You've not denied My name. You're unashamed in Me. And then he finally he says, you are patiently enduring as you wait for My return. I, I am commending you for your patient endurance. In other words, they were staying awake as we talked about in previous weeks. They weren't sleeping on the job. They were stewards of Jesus Christ and they were serving every day because they knew that He could come back today. And when He comes back, I want Him to find me serving. Let me tell you something about myself and I pray that this will stay true for me till the day that I die. I have no plans on ever retiring from ministry. I will always be serving the Lord in some aspect, somewhere, every day of my life. I'm not just talking about on Sundays and Wednesdays. I'm talking about every day I am going to be serving God in some aspect of my life because I know that He is coming back. And when He returns, I want Him to find me faithful. I want Him to find me being that wise servant waiting on His return, patiently enduring as I wait on it. And this is what this church was doing. And, God, and Christ only had commendation for them. Today, I want to look at the promises that Christ gave this faithful church. And I want to be careful because I don't want to read these, these promises and find them to be bland. I don't want to read these promises and just go through them and really find them to be insignificant of no real effect to me. I want to read these promises and I want to see them and go, I want that. I want that promise to apply to me. I want to be faithful because I want that promise. And I pray that that's exactly what you see as we go through it today. So very quickly, the first promise comes from verse 8. I'm going to talk fast so y'all listen fast and write fast, alright? Verse 8. He said, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. Here's the first promise to this humble, obedient, loyal, patiently enduring as they wait on Jesus to return. All of these Christians, this is the first promise that Jesus gives them. He says, I have, not I will, I have set before you an open door. And this door that I have opened, no one is able to shut it. Now there are many who believe that this promise is an open door for evangelism. And this is possible. Uh, there are many times in the Word of God that the Apostle Paul actually used um, the reference of an open door to describe evangelism. For instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, the Apostle Paul said, for a wide door for effective work has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And he was talking about a door for evangelism. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul also says, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. And so I could give you more examples, but the point is that many times in Paul's language, when he spoke about an open door, he was speaking about an opportunity to evangelize, an opportunity to share the gospel. I don't believe this is what is taking place right here, though. 
And the reason I say that is because when you relate it back in context to the door that he said he has the key to open, he said, I have the key of David. And I open and no one shuts and I shut and no one opens. And so I believe when you relate this back to Isaiah where that scripture come from, what he was talking about is the door that gives us access to God or the King and all of His blessings. When you go back to Isaiah 22, if you were to go there, you would find the story that I read you last week. I'm not going to read it again. But Shebna was the one that had been given the key of David. He had been given access to, to the king, access to all the king's blessings, and whoever he opened the door to had access to the king and to the blessings, and whoever he shut the door to did not get to the king and did not get the blessings. And one of the things that we see here is that Jesus says, I have the key of David. And what he means is this, I have the authority to open the door to give you access to the king, and I have the authority to open the door and give you access to all of his blessings, or I have the authority to shut the door to you, and I have the authority to restrict you from ever getting the king's blessings. And if I open it, no one can shut it. If I shut it, no one can open it. And so he says here, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. To the faithful, he wants you to understand that he has given you the access to God Almighty, as we were just talking about a minute ago. He has provided the access to you, and since He has opened it, no one will shut it. Let me just say it right now. I know we're a Baptist faith, but I believe this to be true. You won't even shut it. If Christ opened it for you, you can't even shut it. You are not strong enough to shut this door. If He opened this door of salvation to you, it belongs to you. And this is, remember, who is the one that gives this promise? Because the promise is only as good as the one who gives it, right? And so how did He introduce Himself back in, the, back in chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 7 of this? He said, I am the Holy One. I am God Almighty. I am the true one. I am the genuine God. And I have the key. And so ultimately, the one that gives you the promise is the one who is God Almighty. And the Scriptures tell us over and over again that God is not a man that He should lie. It is impossible for God to lie. If He tells you He's going to do something, He is going to do it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. Listen to what this says. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. This word reconciled or reconciliation comes from a Greek word that means this. It means to make an exchange so as to restore favor to someone. In other words, a trade was made, a payment was made, so that now you have been moved from the wrath of someone to the favor of someone. He reconciled you and He brought you back. That's the reason why two more verses later in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, 
this is what he says here. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Here's the exchange that was, took place. He made him to be sin who knew no sin. Christ didn't just bear your sins. He became your sin. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That, my friends, is reconciliation. This is an exchange that takes place so that we are moved from being under someone's wrath into the place of being under someone's favor. And that is exactly what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. And see, maybe this promise don't mean too much to you. Maybe when you hear this promise, it's kind of bland, as I said a minute ago. It's kind of insignificant to you. It don't really just bring a lot of joy to you. And maybe that's because you've gotten so comfortable in this world that you're satisfied right here where you're at. You're happy. I mean, things are exactly the way they are. And I'm good with it. And I'm okay with it. And you have failed to recognize the very signs that God has put into place. This is the only promise I'm going to get on this morning. I can see that. That's all right, ain't it? I got five more to go. This is the only one I'm going to do. I want you to think about something for just a minute. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1 that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth about God. So ultimately, here's what that's saying. We can look around this world and we can see the wrath of God that is on this place. One of the ways that we can see it, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, that death, <clears throat> excuse me, death is the judgment that God passed down so that we would see the error of our way against Him. He was our source of life. We said, thank you God, but we don't want you. And we backed away and went our own way. And what happens when you pull away from your source of life? Death is what takes place. And so when you see the death of a loved one, anybody in here that's ever experienced the death of a loved one, the hurt and the grief, the very message that God is revealing to you through that grief and through that death is... This world is not right with me. And this is one of the results of it. And it's just a glimpse. He wants you to be able to see that right now you have an opportunity. And you have an opportunity to be reconciled. But there is coming a day when you will no longer have that chance and there will not be opportunity for you to be brought into my favor, but instead you will experience my wrath for eternity. This is what the Bible calls the second death. See, if you don't know Christ, you will die twice. The first death, you'll die just like everybody else. The second death, you will die forever. And you will be given a new body just like the ones going to eternal life will be given a new body. 
The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that He gives it a body suited for it. You will be given a body for eternal life to be suited so that it never dies. You will also be given a body on the other side so that it will never die. But it will always be dying. This is the reason why there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the reason why the Bible says it is a place of great torment where the worm never dies. It is always dying and it never dies because the wrath of God is on this place. And He means for you to see it now, the glimpse of it in the first death, so that you have the opportunity to say, I don't want that. The Bible says it like this. The Apostle Paul said... Look then and consider carefully both the kindness of God and the severity of God. Now I want you to think about that for just a minute. He wants you to look at both the kindness of God and the severity of God. The kindness of God in His grace with you in this life. When you look at this life, it is meant for you to see the good things in this world and say, God, thank you that even though I'm not in a good place with you, you still give me mercy. You still wake me up and give me breath. You still give me day after day and opportunity after opportunity. You still give me children. You still give me uh, blessings. You, You still are good to me. And this is a common grace that goes to everybody. You may not have it the same as everybody else, but everybody has this common grace that God gives you what you don't deserve. And he says, look at that. Romans chapter 2, he actually says, Do you not know that it is the kindness of God that is meant to lead you to repentance? In other words, when you look at the kindness of God, it's meant for you to look at it. He wants you to see both. Look at the kindness of God and the severity of God. Look at the death of humankind. Look at the grace and the life of humankind. And he wants you to look at the death and say, I don't want that. I don't want that. And He wants you to look at the life and say, I want that. And the kindness of God is meant to lead you to repentance as you look at the, um, the suffering that He gives you, the wrath of God that is revealed. Another way the wrath of God is revealed, it is through the, the universal futility of creation. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 that God gave the, the, the creation, the ground and everything over to futility, over to uselessness. He cursed it. Cursed is the ground for, for thy sake. He did it. He said, thorns and thistles it shall bring for you. From the sweat of your brow you will eat bread. All of these things, when you look at creation, He made it be in rebellion against you. You plant a garden, and instead of everything coming up perfectly, you spend all your time out there pulling weeds. Right? Used to, the garden would just work for you. And now you go out there and you hoe and you break and you break your back trying to get this ground just to soften up enough so that you can put a seed in the ground. And then when you get your seed in the ground, the rain comes and the flood comes, and what does it do? Wash it away. And all of this... All of this futility is meant for you to look at creation and go, it shouldn't be this way. You're sitting out on your porch one minute looking at the beautiful sky. Ten minutes later, here comes a tornado that wiped everything out. You sit on the beach one day and you watch the waves just barely come in and break at your feet. And then you leave the next day and here comes a hurricane and it ravishes everything. 
And all of creation and its futility and its curse is meant to look at you and say, this world is not right with God. And when you look at this, it's supposed for you... Remember, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth about God. And so it's revealed. We can look at all of this and we can say, something is not right with this place. One of the last ways that we can see the wrath of God revealed, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 2, that... We have been given over. Here's exactly what it says. It says, because they did not want to acknowledge God, because they did not want to honor God, because they didn't want to give Him thanks, because they wanted to just live their life and ignore God, God gave them over to impure hearts. God gave them over to dishonorable passions. And God gave them over to debased minds. I'm going to get sick on you here right now. So y'all stay with me. You ever wondered why people rape little children? It's because we have been given over to impure hearts. God said, you don't want to follow me? You don't want my way? Let me show you what a world looks like when everybody does what's right in their own heart. Let me show you what a world looks like when you have your dishonorable passions and the freedom to choose them. Let me show you what a world looks like when you have debased minds and the freedom to follow it. And look around this world and watch the news tonight and then you ask yourself the question, God, what's wrong with this place? What's wrong with these people? What's wrong with this world? And let me tell you something. Your heart and your passions, your mind may not be quite as based as everybody else, but in the, in the comparison to God's standard, you better believe it's debased. It is debased. And when we all have the freedom to choose our own hearts, to choose our own passions, to choose our own minds, guess what's going to take place? Watch the 6 o'clock news tonight and you'll see it. You'll see it. And God meant for you to look at this world and see all of these impure hearts, all of these dishonorable passions, all of these debased minds. He meant for you to sit in your courts and to listen to the, to, to the, to the sinful stuff that people choose to do. And He means for you to look at it and go, what in the world is wrong with this place, God? So that He could look back at you and go, this place is under my wrath because of sin. But look at the kindness of God. Because the kindness of God is meant to lead you to repentance. God, I don't want this. I don't want this world. I don't want the way it is. I don't want anything to do with this. God, I want this. And the way I get to it is through Jesus Christ, through forsaking this world, through forsaking everything that this world has to offer and following Him. And this is the promise that God has said. He has said, Behold, I set before you an open door to be brought back into favor with God Almighty. Not His wrath, His favor. I have the key to open to you the access to God. I have the key to open to you the blessings of all that God has to offer. And I have set before you an open door. And when I open it, No one can shut it. 
And if you can't hear that promise and something inside of you go, God, thank you. Thank you for the open door. And if you can't get that in your spirit, I'm going to tell you something this morning, church. You have become too comfortable with this world. You have become too comfortable with debased minds, with impure hearts. And you look at this and you're okay with it. It's really not that big a deal. I can stay here. Yeah, kids get raped and you go in and you get school shot up and, um, and kids die and people murder each other and, and, and steal from each other. And, and yeah, that's the way this world is. But you know what? I'm good with it. I'm good with it. You better look again, guys. Because even if you are good with it, it ain't going to last forever. Even the common grace of God is going to be brought to an end when He returns. But for the faithful, for the faithful, for the ones who are humble, for the ones who are obedient, for the ones who are loyal to the name of Christ, for the ones who are unashamed of Him, for the ones who are patiently enduring as they wait for His return, for those, here's the promise. I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. I pray that you have access to the King this morning. And I pray that you're able to look at the faithfulness that is in your life as evidence that I have genuine faith in Christ. You know, I'm going to read one last scripture to you and I'm going to quit. First Peter, or Second Peter, Second Peter chapter 1. This is exactly what Peter was talking to. You remember the, you remember the faith, the growth series we went through? Add to your faith virtue, add to your virtue knowledge, add to your knowledge self-control, add to your self-control perseverance, add to your perseverance godliness, add to your godliness brotherly affection. All of these things that we are to do, the works that we put on in our life. This is what Peter said about it in verse 8. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, in what way? Practicing these qualities. These are the evidence of your faith. I'm not telling you that you work for your salvation. I'm telling you that you can look at your life and you can see whether or not there is genuine faith there. Whether you are fruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you are remembering that you have been cleansed from your old sins. I'm telling you that you can make your call and your election sure. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you a what? What's another word for an entrance? there will be richly provided for you an open door into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The faithful church can look at their life and they can see the obedience of faith at work in their life. Right. And they can see that I am patiently enduring as I'm waiting on Jesus' return. And they can say with full confidence, there is an open door before me. And Jesus opened it, and you can't shut it. And it is my prayer this morning 
that every person in this building has received that promise. But I also want to tell you this. If you can't look at your life and see faithfulness, if you can't look at your life and see an obedience of faith, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about understanding I've been cleansed from my sins and He is leading me in this way and I still fall and I still stumble and I still make mistakes, but I am faithful and I'm following Him. If you can't see that you are loyal to the name of Christ, that you are unashamed of Him, if you can't see that you are patiently enduring like a servant waiting on his master to come back, serving him wisely, if you can't see that, then I'm telling you this morning, maybe you're not the faithful church. And maybe this promise don't apply to you. But I close with this invitation. The invitation is open for this promise to apply to whosoever will. And if you hear the call of God this morning, you are the whosoever. And I pray this morning that you would receive it before you leave.